Good morning. Oh, so good to see you all today. Um, let's start out with prayer this morning, and, and then we're going to dig in. We're going to get some good stuff today. Father, we just thank you that you are always ever-present. Lord, even at times that we feel like um, you're not, and feelings come, feelings go, but Lord, you are always present. You're a present help. And Lord, we just thank you that every person who's sitting here today, every person who's hearing this, that whatever we're walking through, the challenges that you're, we're walking through in so many different arenas, that, Lord, you're present. You're present not to just hang out, but you're present to be active on our behalf. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you're here with us today. Lord, as we look at your word, you're here. You're here to encourage. You're here to inspire us. You're here, Lord, to do what only you can do, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get started, I want to um, remember one thing. Uh, the funeral for um, Julio's wife is going to be this coming Tuesday at um, 10 o'clock at Romero's Funeral Home um, across from Dutch Clark Stadium. So any of, those, any of you who are able to get free to um, go to that and support Julio, 10 a.m. Tuesday morning, uh, Romero's that's close to Dutch Clark. So we're going to start out in Hebrews chapter 10 today. We're going to actually be in Hebrews chapter 10 most of the time this morning. How many of you could say that in this past week that you have had a strong emotional response to some words spoken? Maybe words read. <laughs> Lots of reading going on right now. A lot of different areas. And um, we're gonna we're gonna start off in verse 19 here in Hebrews chapter 10. You're gonna have to humor me today because I just really like this passage in the King James. And so just translate the old old time language and we're going to read together here. Um, in, the, in the verses before this, he's, he's talking about um, the old covenant, the new covenant, what, where we were before, where Jesus brought us to. And so that's everything that's coming before this. And we start in verse 19. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Couple things here. It means that there is no part of God that is not accessible to us today. And why? Because of Jesus. And how are we supposed to access that? With boldness, not with timidity. If there is anything going on in your life that you think, ooh, because of this, I need to kind of gingerly step into the presence of God, just stop, deal with that, 
Say, Lord, I thank you so much that your blood, <laughs> your blood was shed. It was there to redeem me from my sins, that there's nothing that separates you and me at all. And then you enter boldly into his presence. God does not want there to be a single thing that causes you to come to him with timidity. He wants you to be able to come with boldness. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so that means that, you know, all of us, how many of you, um, quickly it comes to mind a time this week that you messed up? Most of us, we really don't have to think very hard. It's like, oh, yeah, which one should I choose to bring to mind first, you know? Uh, and in the scripture, he's telling you, know, those things will nag at us, you know? I did this. Why did I say that? Why did I respond this way? Why did I do this thing? Why would, and, you know, he's calling that an evil conscience. <laughs> that thing that's coming up just reminding you, ooh, you did this. Ooh, you did that. Ooh, you fell short. Ooh, you through Jesus, that has been dealt with. You know what? You can just put that thing to rest. <laughs> you can just say, I'm going to just walk free of that. No. Jesus, I cannot hardly believe that you redeemed me and that you have forgiven me of that, but I know that you have. And so if you have, then I'm certainly not going to sit around here and I'm not going to be dwelling on it. And so uh, let us draw near with, with a True heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. You know, there are times in every single one of our lives when we think this may be the time, this might be the day that the Lord forgot about us. <laughs> That the Lord was maybe distracted when we had this problem. But you know what? We need to always remind ourselves, God has always been faithful. This is a great time when you're in a place like this to go back and just sort of remember the impossible situations that God brought you out of. And uh, I know so many of some of you, I know your stories really, really well here. And all of us, we have these places where it's like, man, when I was in that spot in that moment, I felt like, there, there's no redeeming this. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that this can ever be okay. This can never be. Something is going to fall, and yet God was there, and he redeemed the situation, and he brought you through. And you know, when we're going through challenging times, we need to really sit and think about those things, not, not forget about them, to remember that God is faithful, who has promised the promises he's made to you, not only does he want to fulfill them, but he is more than able to fulfill them. God, if you, I love going through the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, but it's almost like God takes pleasure in coming up with very unique and creative ideas to fix problems all the time. It would seem from his word that he really doesn't like doing things the same way all the time. <laughs> 
But it's like, oh, you think I'm going to do this? Well, let me show you what I can do. <laughs> you think that, that you're stuck? I'm just going to part water for you, you know. And, and, and ever seen this done before? No, uh-huh, but I can do it. Here you're going to go through on dry land. You think you're stuck? You think this is your last day on earth? You're getting about to get thrown into a fiery furnace? Watch what I can do. <laughs> I'm going to bring you out and, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure there's not even a smell of smoke on you. <laughs> so that when you walk out, there's no trace. You've even been through a trial. God has been faithful, and he will continue to be faithful um, throughout the seasons of our life. I, I was raised, my parents were missionaries, um, always took care of us. I didn't know it at the time, but we probably were not, you know, rolling in the dough. <laughs> but I had all my needs met. Um, you know, sometimes as kids... You know, Mom bought me, we had to go, when we went to boarding school, we had to have rain boots because we lived on the side of a mountain, and it rained a lot. It was muddy. And so, you know how you are as kids? Mom bought me this beautiful pair of bright red boots, but when I got to boarding school, guess what? Everybody had generic black rain boots. And so, me being the person I am who hates to stick out, I hated my red rain boots. <laughs> I felt so deprived that I didn't have black rain boots like everybody else. I just walking around in my bright red rain boots. You know, so as kids, you feel deprived sometimes. But the truth is, I was always cared for my entire life. The Lord cared for me. My parents cared for me. And then when uh, I had, our, our family was a little different. In fact, a lot of missionaries were this way. But uh, I was probably almost through college before I ever knew that college was an option. Because my parents never presented it as such. <laughs> and so it kind of went like this when I was probably around in my junior year or something. Uh, maybe my sophomore year. It was kind of like, okay, so we've always talked about this. You will go to college. This is how much I've saved. And this is, um, this is what you, and you're going to pay for it. <laughs> you're going to pay for the rest, but you're going. Not going is not an option. So it's like I started having these anxiety attacks. I'd never dealt with this. I mean, everything my whole life always been taken care of for. Some things didn't go my way, but that was okay. But I started having these anxiety attacks. And, you know, I knew what minimum wage was in America. So I would get out my pencil and paper, and I'd look at the tuition, and i figure, I mean, they have to pay me minimum, right? And surely I could get a job doing something. So I'd figure it out all on pen and paper, and I'd finally get it all worked out where I could pay for it. And I'd go to bed, and I'd wake up another night. Nights, just all these sweats. I'd get up and figure it all out again and make sure I hadn't made a miscalculation. And so I started um, going through this every time that there was a transition in my life. I'd just go through this tremendous anxiety. And, and guess what? Every time, the Lord brought me through. <laughs> and so I was going through, once again, another transition um, I, ha I was at a point of transition. I was transitioning from one kind of nursing to another kind of nursing and um, going to go to Bible school. I had everything all worked out on my pen and paper, you know. And um, my roommate came home and said, I'm going home in two weeks. So immediately all my plans were ruined. <laughs> my rent doubled. My utilities doubled. Everything doubled. And so that night, I go to bed, and I'm feeling this anxiety. Oh, I thought, here I am. My parents are in Africa. There's no one to take care of me. i got to take care of me. And the Lord asked me this question. He said, have I ever failed you in these moments? 
And I had to look back, and I no, actually, never. I mean, every single time, I never even did without anything. Every time the Lord had come through. And so he said this to my heart. He said, now, you can do this thing that you do. <laughs> the night sweats, the anxiety, all of this sort of stuff. And I'm going to take care of you still. Or you could skip it and just trust me. I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to try skipping it this time. <laughs> I'm just going to trust and rest, and sure enough, the Lord brought me through every situation. He is faithful to his promises. And now we're going to move to the next verse, which is really um, our focal point today. It says this, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. We're going to finish off verse 25, and hopefully we'll have time to revisit 25 before we're done. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so let's go back to verse 24. And first of all, it says this, let us consider. So this is a very purposeful process that he's talking about here. It's not talking about me just spouting off my mouth, me just thinking of the first thing that comes to my mind. But it's something very purposeful here. He's saying, let us consider one another. So I'm going to consider Ron and his uniqueness. I'm going to consider Jackie and her uniqueness. I'm going to consider my husband and his uniqueness. And as I'm considering, my goal is that I am to provoke you unto love and unto good works. Now, this word, um, provoke, it means a couple things. It is this word that can go in either direction. It can be a positive word. It can be a negative word. So one is it's provoke is it's inciting you to do good. <laughs> you know, one time when I was about in seventh grade, <laughs> my cousin, we had a family get together. My cousin, we happened to be here in the States at the time. My cousin, my sister, and I were on the dishes in the kitchen doing dishes after um, a meal. And I heard my aunt talking about us, and this is what she said. She said, look at our girls. Look at them there. They're all doing dishes. You know, other girls are just out messing around, leaving messes for everyone else to take care of. Look at our girls. <laughs> our girls are over there helping. They're doing dishes. I'm telling you what, I wanted to do dishes for years. <laughs> I wanted to do my dishes, your dishes, everybody's dishes, because she just provoked me to a really good work by encouraging me. Even though she wasn't saying it directly to us, I heard it. And so that can incite you to good. And then on the other end of that, words still, they can cause a dispute or cause an anger. Now this word is only used two times in the New Testament. And this is one of the times provoking one another to love and to good works. What would you say that's typically going, you sound like it's going in the positive direction? 
Jesuits want us to provoke to do something positive. And then the other time that this word is used in the New Testament, it's translated as contention. And this is when Paul and Barnabas were having an argument over a young man named John Mark who had bailed on them in the middle of a journey. He got tired of the hardship. He packed his bags. He went home to Mama. And it was a burr in Paul's britches. <laughs> and so now they're getting ready for another journey. And Barnabas says, yeah, let's take John. And Paul's like, John is not coming on this journey. And Barnabas is like, well, I think he's valuable. Well, I, he's not coming on my journey. And the contention was so harsh between these two committed brothers in Christ that they just made a decision to part their ways. And so Barnabas took John Mark. He went and he did a mission. And, and um, Paul found a man named Silas, and they went, he went in a different direction. And later on, it told us that all, that all came around. But only two times. One time it's very positive, and one time it's a sharp, sharp contention. And I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you, that each one of you have this power <laughs> to provoke. How are you going to provoke? There was a man named Captain Murphy. <laughs> and he was an engineer in one of, I think, the Air Force, something like that. And he was working on this project. He was working on a project that was seeing just how much deceleration the human body could handle in an impact and live. This is, his, this is his study. So he's got all his tests. He's got all his contraptions, everything. And so he's working on his tests. He's all intense and everything. And um, he went and one of his technicians had not wired things correctly. He was not happy. And he said... You know, if there is any way to do something wrong, that guy will find it. And that morphed a little bit and was turned into what we call Murphy's Law today. Do you think Murphy, Captain Murphy, was setting out to produce a law that day? Do you think that in 1949 he knew that what he said that day... <laughs> was still going to be being repeated in a form today in the, in the year 2020. <laughs> he was just ticked at his technician. <laughs> and I'm telling you that um, you, where you're sitting in this huge mess of the world right, day, right now, that I'm sure the Lord looks at it differently, but to you and to I, it's just like, it, you know, I was telling somebody, <laughs> I read something that said that somehow they have, have done these things and they've produced a dinosaur embryo. I don't know if that's true at all, but I'm like, dear Lord, no. <laughs> we do not need dinosaurs roaming the earth <laughs> in addition to everything else that's going on. <laughs> Please, dear Lord, don't let us deal with that. <laughs> somebody got overly creative there. But um, it... All of the things going around us, and there's one thing gets added to another, gets added to another, gets added to another. It's like, oh, my goodness. 
And you know, as individuals, we can feel like, I am so small in this big scope. I am so insignificant. I cannot impact these situations. But I'm telling you that the Lord doesn't want you to have that perspective. Whether the words that you speak today on either side of provocative (laughs) are still being spoken, you know, 80, 90 years from now, that's not significant. They may, they may not. You know, all, all of us, we may have that moment where we say something so fantastic or so horrible that is remembered for a long, long time. But what's important is like those words that my aunt spoke to us, not to us, but in front of us, that all these years later are still impacting me. And each one of you has the capacity in your area of influence to provoke. And so think about this verse again. It says, consider. That means that you're going to sit, you're going to think about it. There's somebody over here and they're, they're discouraged or they're um, just getting kind of in, in everything that's happening. They're just kind of getting apathetic. They're just sort of lifeless, like, oh, I'm just, if I can just survive till all of this is over, then I'm just going to push resume on my life. <laughs> I'm just going to put it on pause for now. <laughs> uh, as you're looking at the people that you know who, who your life intersects with, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to consider this. How can I provoke them to love and to good works? You know, there are so many words out there today. They are very provocative, and everybody is very reactive. When I was a little girl, I had a temper like no other. And I had the blessing. I have a wonderful sister. When we were younger, she she loved to needle me, and she knew where to needle me. And somehow she got some sort of, um, I don't know, I don't think she really liked pain, <laughs> she would needle me, needle me, needle me, needle me, and oh, I'd try, oh, I'd try, I'd, I'd, I'd keep my temper, I'd hold it in check, but there always came that moment, and you know, as my fist was flying through the air, I would hear it come out of her mouth, mom, and then the next thing I knew, you know, I'd be in the bedroom and being corrected, and <laughs> you know, we're (laughs) grown-ups. We were kids. But you and I, most of us in here, we're (laughs) grown-ups. And so we need to be more conscious and purposeful with the words that we speak. Words that will encourage. Words that don't just feed a fire. There are so many fires right now. You hear things. You see things. It's like, you know, I really should know what's going on in the world today, but I really don't want to open up anything that tells me because there's going to be 
uh, fuel just thrown on the fire, thrown on the fire, thrown on the fire, the same thing again and again and again. But you and I, we can be different. We can be different with the words that we speak. We can be different with the words that we write. When we're writing to a broad audience, you never know who's going to see what you write. We can be thoughtful about what will my words produce? How can I provoke people to love into good works? You'll notice that the Lord didn't put anything else in that list to provoke people to. <laughs> he didn't say, or if you're just feeling particularly feisty, <laughs> you could. No, he says, provoke them to love. Provoke them to good works. Let's go on to, um, to verse 25, Hebrews 10, verse 25. I'm going to see if I'm faster or Julie's faster. I think I'm faster. I think I'm faster. I think I'm faster. I'm faster. Not forsaking. Oh, she's got it. You are sneaky. There's no number in there, Julie. Um, not forsaking the assembling. Actually, it was in there, Julie. It just didn't have a number by it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there is, I would say almost everybody in this room probably has a Bible at home that you could read. I would say most everybody in here probably has a computer at home or a phone or something that you can pull up, um, different messages that would encourage you. Uh, most of us have access to a TV where you can pull up different preachers and, and teachings and things that could feed you. But something that is so unique to us all being here together, assembling ourselves together are these words that are spoken between us. So in this, in this um, verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner is of some, but exhorting one another, that word exhorting means this, to call near, to call for somebody, to beseech them, using your words to call somebody together. Let me encourage you. Make sure that you're coming to church so that we can encourage one another. We're in this together. We're not in this just with the world and just everything that the world has access to. We're in this with one another. We're here to encourage one another. And it says so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is it talking about? It's talking about the return of Jesus. Um, I, I'm not an on end times, but I can tell you that um, today we're one close day closer to seeing Jesus than we were yesterday. <laughs> and tomorrow we're going to be one day closer than we are today. And you may not know when that is. I don't know when that is, but we're closer than we were. And you know, it's so important for us to encourage one another that where we are right now, here today, in this moment with all the mess, that this is not where we're going to be forever. Not even just talking about our time here on earth, 
but each one of us, we are eternal beings. <laughs> we are going to be, if, we've, if we're in a relationship with the Lord, if we've received his free gift of eternal life, one day we're going to be in heaven. One day we're going to be with the Lord forever. And our focal point needs to not be on this day that, t- that tomorrow's going to be gone. It's just gone. The day after tomorrow, tomorrow will be gone. Those are things that they're just going to be behind us. But one day we're going to be with Jesus. And we have the opportunity here to impact for him, to encourage people. You know, even if you yourself are feeling discouraged, do you know that it's a feeling? Feelings feel so very, very real, but they're they're not a real thing. <laughs> they're a feeling. You know, you could just be feeling so discouraged. Somebody could walk in the door and tell you something really exciting, and where did the feeling? What happened to the feeling? Boom! It's just gone, and now there's another one in its place. <laughs> and you know, so even if you're feeling very discouraged, I'd really encourage you this verse to just sit and consider do I know somebody who's discouraged do I know somebody who's just sitting they've got the pause button on their life yeah I'm going to hit reasoning when all this is over (laughs) I'll get back to life when all this is over I'll get back to my destiny after all of this is over do you know somebody Give us some consideration. What can I say? What can I do that would provoke this person to love and to good works? There's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that right in the middle of a mess. (laughs) You know, some of Paul's letters, um, they were written in the worst of circumstances. But from the actual words that he wrote, have historians here to tell us that we'd never know it because he was using his words to provoke others to love to provoke others to good works and so we have more access to pro- pro- to provoking than anybody probably in, in the history of the world even a little Joe today <laughs> even if you look at you, yourself and you say I'm, I'm just about as close to nobody as you can get. Do you know that you have more voice today than many great, great men did in the history of the world? They might say something fabulous and somebody had to write it down and get on a horseback and take it to the next town and say, look what he said. And they'd say, oh, well, let me copy that down, take it to the next. It took time to get their words around. You and I, we have this fantastic opportunity we can make a phone call. We can get together for a cup of coffee. We can send a text. We can we can write something more widespread. But in all that we do, let's make sure that we are provoking, considering provoking people to love and to good works and not to anger, not to anything that would move them in a wrong direction helping provoke them and
in the proper direction. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. It's alive. It's alive on the inside of us. And we're so grateful for it, Lord. Father, I pray for everybody here in this room today. Um, if there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord, I'm telling you, just reach out with your heart right now and say, Lord, I don't want to walk another day without you in my life. <laughs> and you never will walk another day without him in your life. Just reach for him. And then, Lord, for all of us here as we are walking through our days in such challenging times, Father, I pray, I pray that we would each be so purposeful are provoking, as we're talking, as we're speaking, as people are talking about something that is so provocative, Lord, that, that we would weigh our words. Am I going to join in this conversation? Am I going to turn this? Am I going to provoke people to love and go, how am I, how can I provoke? And Lord, let your heart be our hearts. Give us ideas. Give us words, Lord. Help us to work together with you, Holy Spirit, in leading people, moving them in a direction where they take that their finger off that pause button, where they say, I'm going to get on with my life, and I'm going to do something awesome with my life in the middle of a mess. But Lord, let us be agents of change. <laughs> Let's not talk about change. I'm telling all of you here today, don't just talk about change. It doesn't matter if you change one tiny thing. You be a part of the change in this world. You be a part of the voice of hope. You be a part. Do something. <laughs> Before you go to bed tonight, make sure you've at least said a word that encouraged a single person, that you did something to change the climate. And Lord, we just thank you that you're ever-present with us, that you're never lacking in creative ideas. Everybody in here, you're all dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, hunt somebody down. <laughs> These are unique times. Pastors in the back, you're pointing at something. My father, oh, we have an offering to receive. That is not on my list of things to do. So we're kind of dismissed. We're almost dismissed. We are dismissed, but before you're dismissed, the offering is in the back. And let's all say this together. My Father generously provides all that I need. He is doing exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that is in me. He surrounds me with favor and inspires me to be a blessing. I am blessed. Amen. Go be a blessing. <laughs>